Earlier in the season, Manchester City hammered Manchester United 6-3 at the Etihad with Erling Haaland and Phil Foden both claiming hat-tricks. Since then, United have won 7 out of 10 in the league. They've only lost once. That's a better record than their crosstown rivals. And there are only four points behind them in the table. Can United announce themselves as title contenders with a derby win? Or will City put them in their place? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Mark O'Hare has shrugged off the holiday feeling. He's back in the bet cave, crunching the numbers so you don't have to. Mark City odds on here at 1.87 to win at Old Trafford. Is that fair enough for you? Or given what we've seen in the last couple of months, is that a bit too short? Um, I'm going to sit on the fence and say it's a bit of both, uh, in all honesty. I think the price is is probably about right. But do you want to get involved in Man City at those prices, considering everything you've just said there about Manchester United? Um, we talked about them in the New Year show uh, of how they've kind of slipped under the radar a little bit. Um, go back to that sort of drubbing uh, against Brentford in the August sunshine. They got hammered 4-0. They have been building things and building you know, progressively and quite impressively too. So, you know, since and including their win against Liverpool on the 22nd of August, no team has won more points in the Premier League than Man United, uh, which is really quite surprising. You know, they've won 11 of those 15 games. They've got the third best defence in that sample as well. They've conceded just five goals in the last nine Premier League games. Three of them actually came in one game away at Aston Villa, which um, conveniently was Cristiano Ronaldo's last appearance in a United shirt. And, you know, I've had a few issues with their attacking game. Um, Chance creation and XG numbers don't match up to those at the top of the Premier League table. But, you know, Marcus Rashford's form pre and post World Cup and during the World Cup has been absolutely exceptional. Um, Anthony Martial's played his way back into proceedings as well. So I think there is a lot to be positive about United, particularly at Old Trafford as well, where their form has been you know, pretty much flawless now since uh, the opening day of the season. Uh, the fixtures has been, have been quite soft, it should be said. Um, and you could say that uh, even against Arsenal, where they won the match, they weren't the better team. You could say Arsenal probably were. Um, but uh, I think they're in a very, very different place to where they were after that 6-3 drubbing at the Etihad. And, and look, City... I said it on the New Year show, something doesn't feel quite right to me right now, even if their underlying numbers do suggest that they're going along quite nicely. Pep did a very Pep thing against against Chelsea in the in the Premier League um, a while ago, rectified things at half-time and got the win. Um, then they beat a very poor Chelsea team in the FA Cup. And I know he made changes, but against Southampton, they were well beaten in the League Cup midweek. And, you know, look at the Premier League recent performances. They were made to work really hard in their first game back after the World Cup away at Leeds. They won the game, of course, but... They were well beaten by Brentford at home before the World Cup, failed to beat Everton. Fulham really gave them a great game at the Etihad as well. Um, Brighton too. Um, they didn't exactly demolish Leicester at the, at the King Power. You know, that was De Bruyne's free kick that settled matters. Um, so, you know, they lost Liverpool as well in that sequence too. So, you know, they haven't been the sort of all-conquering team we saw in August and September. So there is an opportunity here for, for Man United to make a bit of a statement show that they are on their comeback trail. They can be you know, competitors for, for City and potentially a title race in, in you know months or years to come. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to back City at the prices. Uh, I think there's possibly a better way in. It's a slightly shorter price, but I, I think both teams to score at 1.72 
on the exchange would be sort of much more at my street. Um, you know, I have had issues with United's approach, but I think at Old Trafford, they'll fancy their chances. I think they'll fancy themselves of making that statement and putting City under pressure. City haven't defended particularly well at all uh, in recent matches, all through that sample I talked about. Um, you know, starting a midweek cup game with, with Kyle Walker at centre-half is, is an issue. Uh, but ultimately, you never want to back or a game, oppose Man City scoring either. They failed to score just twice in their travels in the Premier League since the opening day of last season. So um, their matches on the road have been tighter affairs in the big games. You know, you think of Liverpool and Chelsea, but I just have a feeling this one could be quite explosive considering where United are. The dashing doctor of data will see you now. Jake Oscarthorpe from Infogol is with us. Jake, Eric Ten Hag has clearly made a massive impact in just a few short months. Mark has talked about that difference between uh, them and the top teams in terms of their data. Is that how you see it too? Um, yeah, but they are trending in a, in a direction that suggests that they can challenge the, those top teams. I mean, from where they started the season, I think we can all kind of say that they that Ten Hag's transformed this Manchester United team. You know, they looked completely lost in those first couple of games. And the, you know, the overhanging cloud of Cristiano Ronaldo that was just putting a massive dampener on everything that they were doing that was positive. Um, and, you know, he's he's generating a, a new culture, a new identity, um, just, you know, on and off the pitch for United. And, and we are starting to see the underlying numbers really, really take a positive um, turn. And I know what Mark's saying about the soft schedule from post-restart, which absolutely has to be taken into account here. But um, it has to be said that, that, that generally so far this season, particularly at Old Trafford, they've had a really tough schedule. Um, you know, they, they've already played Liverpool. They've already played Arsenal. They've already played Newcastle. Uh, they've already played Spurs at Old Trafford. Um, and they've got positive results in most of those as well. I think there's only, uh, well, yeah, they, they, they're unbeaten in, in, in all those matches. In fact, the only home defeat came in that opener against Brighton. So they're a really strong home side. Um, but the one thing I wanted to touch on, which kind of led me towards um, my, my betting angle for this, was just how strong they've been defensively, um, Manchester United. We know City are generally quite solid, um, particularly away from home. They're relying under one expected goal against per game. But Man United, since the first meeting, uh, since the 6-3 hammering at the Etihad, they've they've had a better defensive process than Manchester City. They've conceded less expected goals against per game than City, which is a really, really impressive stat. And, um, you know, it kind of goes a long way to showing, in particular, what their calling cards being over that period, which is, you know, solid foundations and then create enough chances to win the game. And we're starting to see a little bit more fluidity in attack. Um, like, like we said, they have played a few easier fixtures, um, but we are starting to see them pop a little bit more and find a bit more rhythm going forward. Uh, and that's, you know, that, that's all capable thanks to that, that solid foundation that they've built. Um, I'd be hugely surprised. I know Mark says that this could be a game that kicks off and we see fireworks. I'd be hugely surprised if this one was uh, really high scoring. I think under two and a half goals is a, is a, is a serious runner in this. Um, it may seem counterintuitive given that Manchester City are involved, but um, you know, just look at the base numbers this season away from home. 62% of their away matches have gone under two and a half goals. So when they play away from home, generally they keep it a little bit more conservative as opposed to that explosive nature we've seen at the uh, the Etihad. I know they did Etihad then as well. Um, so yeah, they they, they are um, a, a solid defence. And I think that they'll, they'll understand that the, their best chance of getting a result in this game is to keep it tight and low scoring because there are still question marks about the forward line, about how consistent they can be. Um, we don't have those same questions about Manchester City's forward line. We know that they can score at will. 
Um, so yeah, I, I the, just thought of the price, the unders at 2.26 was something that appealed to me. Um, it, interestingly, I, I know at the Etihad generally this fixture kind of goes crazy. We've seen some big score lines there. Um, but at Old Trafford, the last four head-to-heads, I know we've got a different manager in, in the dugout, but the last four head-to-heads at Old Trafford have all gone under two and a half goals. So it does tend to be a little bit more um, of a, of a tight-knit affair. So yeah, that, that's what I landed on. I thought the price was big at 2.26. Um, I don't think there should be as big a disparity between the under and the over line in terms of price in this game. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take the unders. I think it'll be a very interesting tactical watch. Jake's broken the fourth wall there because uh, he's revealed that uh, when I did my intro first, I said Hetihad instead of Etihad. <laughs> and because of a massive diva, I made us do the intro again. If we were to put together a bet builder for you for this game, I would kick us off and I'd go for the Marco Hare route of violence because I'd <laughs> go for both Rodri and Casemiro to commit at least one foul each. Rodri's got 27 Premier League fouls so far. Casemiro, 28, and that's in the upper reaches of the table. Mark, if you had to put something into a bet builder, what would you go for? Uh, I think Jake's got a stronger view on the goals angle than I have. So um, I'll ignore my both teams to score selection on, on this occasion. But I think Marcus Rashford is, is still a very big price to score at any time. Uh, it seems to be him or, or nobody else right now for United. Um, he's been so in- integral to their team recently. Uh, he's 13-5 to five to score at any time in this match, which feels like a very big price for a guy who's in basically the form he's been in for, for many seasons now. So, yeah, happy to put him in. And Jake, what would you go for? Yeah, I'll stick with the with the goals angle, but because we've got some big pricing already, I'll, I'll up the line to under three and a half just for that extra bit of security in the bet in, in the bet builder. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I'm not expecting this to be um, a crazy end to end open match like we saw last time out. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to go with the under in that one. Now, Liverpool season is in danger of collapse if they don't start upping those performance levels. I think it's fair to say they were a bit lucky against Wolves in the FA Cup. They've got a very tough trip to Brighton on Saturday. Jake, I'll start with you. Brighton drew 3-3 at Anfield in Roberto De Zerbi's first game in charge. They've looked really, really good under the Italian and they're surely going to be a threat again here. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think me and Mark have got a similar kind of viewpoint on this. Um, and it's something that Stinch has touched on for the last two, three pods now that he's been on. It's just that, that Brighton are mental um, under De Zerbi and, and <laughs> Is that an analytics term? It, it really is, yeah. Um, they, they are what we would call in the analytics community mental. Um, yeah, they, they're just they're just so much fun to watch. Um, we, we, we kind of expected this to happen. You know, we were all anticipating it, having watched De Zerbi um, at Sassuolo and, and what he brought there and, and just the kind of style of football so, you know, it's no surprise that it's translating um, in the Premier League. And yeah, the, the last seven matches have been just pure chaos. Um, they've, they've averaged 4.6 goals per game across that seven match period. This is just league only. So I'm not even counting the FA Cup, which had a, a six goal thriller as well. Um, and yeah, they, they're creating and conceding at a, a very high rate, a similar rate, 1.67 expected goals for, 1.57 against. Um yeah, they're just an absolute load of fun to watch. Um, and they are playing, you know, very attack-minded, gung-ho football, which I think is, you know, it's it's what people want to see, you know. They get results as well, which is, you know, the other half of the puzzle. You know, you want to be A, entertaining, but also you need to pick up results. And, and so far, they are doing just that. And, you know, then you've got Liverpool, who 
are very similar in the way in which they're playing this season. And then the underlying numbers reflect that as well. I think they're more um, fun than they want to be, aren't they? Liverpool at the moment. They are. <laughs> They'd yeah. like to be a lot more boring if they could be. Absolutely. Yeah. I think Klopp prefers, um, well, he wants controlled chaos. At the moment, he's just got chaos. Um, yeah. th- there's no control to it whatsoever. Any team they play against is having their way with them in attack. Any team they play are creating loads of chances and scoring lots of goals. Um, and it could it could be a lot worse, you know. Uh, I mean, I've kind of given it away, but can you guess who the best goalkeeper this season based on post-shot XG over performances? Uh, Alisson, I would guess. It's Alisson, yeah, which, yeah. which is remarkable and, and kind of, yeah, it adds a, an extra fuel to the fire that just just how bad this Liverpool team is right now. But isn't there always an, an element of that because of the high line? They do ask him to come up trumps in a lot of one-on-ones anyway, don't they? Obviously, the defensive problems kind of have exacerbated that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, he's he's the model of consistency when it comes to Premier League goalkeepers. He, he's one of very few, if any, that has overperformed his post-show XG in nearly every Premier League season that he's been at the club. Um, that That is very, un, you know, it's very rare. Um, I was doing a bit of analysis on goalkeepers and, and, for example, like Jordan Pickford's never overperformed. He's always underperformed, but he's underperformed by just a small margin, which is, you know, kind of a nice, consistent base. Whereas you've got David De Gea, who has underperformed and then they'll have one massive overperformance season and back to the underperformance, same with Hugo Lloris. So that level of consistency is really important. And the fact that he's consistently overperforming means that he is generally season on season, saving Liverpool at least six points, um, which is obviously huge in the grand scheme. But he's, he's going to have his work cut out again here. And, um, you know, they're, they're a really strange team, Liverpool. They're the best attacking team in the league based on expected goals. Um, 2.3 expected goals, four per game. But they're the sixth worst defensive team um, shipping nearly 1.7 expected goals against per game. Uh, away from home, that actually rises to nearly two expected goals against per game. Um, and, you know, I, I did some digging last night and based on historical data collection, 2014 was when Infocol started collecting that data. This is actually the worst um, defensive performance away from home that we've seen over a long period for Liverpool. Um, 1.99 is what they're averaging this season. The next worst was actually back in 2017-18, which was 1.35. So they're 0.6 expected goals against more on a game-by-game basis away away from home than the previous worst, which is staggering. It just kind of shows how far they've fallen at that end of the pitch. Um, So, yeah, overall, we've got two teams who are wide open. They play attacking football. Neither can defend really well. Um, So, yeah, goals are going to be on the cards. Um, I was looking to back both teams to score and overs in a bet builder, but that's a little bit short now. So just taking the over three Asian goal line um, is is the play here, which obviously means if it's exactly three goals, you get your money back. If there's four or more, you get a nice winner. And I can't see this game finishing with fewer than three goals. So that that for me is the play. And, and as I said, Brighton games in general, Brighton games against the top six as well have all been really high scoring. So that, that was my angle of attack. Mark, is that the kind of route you'd go down? We've been talking about Brighton being goal heavy for quite some time and they do take a lot of risks don't they as well yeah this was probably the most straightforward selection for me from the premier league coupon this weekend and it was to get with goals um i did look down the the goal angles on the exchange um both teams are scoring over two and a half goals on the bet builder does look a bit short but if you add in the goal to be scored in both halves it does boost it up to, to close to 1.9, which I think is is more than acceptable. If you're going to expect three goals and both teams to oblige, then it's uh, it's unusual for all those goals to come in with just one half. So, yeah, expecting this to be quite explosive. Brighton have scored 32 goals in the Premier League this season from 17 games. 
That's twice as many as they had at this stage of the season last season and their best return in the top flight since 1977. So, you know, we've been at them for, for years, really, for underperforming, uh, failing to sort of uh, finish their opportunities. Well, they're doing it this time around. It's just defensively, things have um, gone awry a bit. Um, I was quite surprised to learn that they've managed just one clean sheet in the Premier League since August. Um, that's a 13-game sample. Uh, Overs has copped in 10 of those, BTTS in 10 of those as well. Uh, and those 13 fixtures have averaged 3.92 goals per game. Uh, if you look solely at the Zerbi's time, began with that thrilling three all at Anfield. Uh, eight of his 11 have seen over two and a half goals and both teams scoring uh, 3.73 goals per game as well. Uh, and what's most impressive to me really is just how He's just not adopting a different approach, regardless of the, the reputation or the stature of his opponents, really. Um, they've played five of the big six already. Uh, we mentioned that Liverpool game, uh, gave City an almighty game at uh, the Etihad, thrashed Chelsea at home. I thought they gave a, a really good competitive performance at Arsenal despite defeat. Uh, Spurs, really, was the only match that fell a bit flat. Uh, so, you know, in almost all of those matches, Brighton have really gone for their opponents. And uh, yeah, six of the last seven have gone over three and a half goals, all seven gone over two and a half goals. These two teams have each managed just four clean sheets in the Premier League. Uh, only three clubs have kept fewer clean sheets than Brighton and Liverpool. Uh, quite a damning statement, actually, against Liverpool, that. But, um, yeah, I mean, all for goals in this game. And if you want something bigger, um, over three and a half goals is 2.52. But even bigger than that, you can back both teams to score two goals or more at three to one, which, uh, you know, I think would go close, actually. Much better, much closer than the three to one suggests. Well, let's take it to the continent now. Milan have had a tough few days. They blew a 2-0 lead late on and a 2-2 draw with Roma. Then they went out of the Coppa Italia against Torino. So, Mark, how are they going to get on this weekend? This is a this is a dodgy game for Milan. They're going to Lecce. Um, you mentioned that game against Roma last weekend. I, I still can't believe they didn't win that game. Just complete cruise control for 85 minutes, leading 2-0 two set-piece goals in the dying minutes of that match. And you know, now they're seven points off Napoli in the title race. And a big blow mentally, as you mentioned, that Coppa Italia game against Torino. They played against 10 men for a large period of that game. Lost again. Um, Pioli was really unhappy after that match, as he was at the, at the weekend too. He's got loads of injuries and issues, uh, suspension issues too, to, to worry about too. And yeah, this this does not look like a gimme for me going away to Lecce. have been very competitive against the big teams since promotion. But uh, the price that stood out to me was actually both teams to score at 2.1. Uh, that feels like a big price. So, first of all, Milan have failed to win half of their eight away games. And the toughest away games they've played so far this season were Atalanta and Torino, sixth and tenth in the league. So, of their eight opponents away from home, six have been in the current bottom eight. Um, they failed to win half of them. And uh, six of those eight have seen both teams scoring. Just two clean sheets kept on their travels. Uh, if we go back to the beginning of their title winning campaign last season, 67% of their away games have featured both teams scoring and they've scored themselves in 24 of 27. Uh, Lecce are up in 11th. Um, you know, they're, they're very much the um, the sort of high achievers of the promoted teams so far this season. They're playing with a, a bunch of expression and freedom and, and sort of a proactive approach at home. Um, they scored in eight of 10 matches against the top half already this season. They scored away at Napoli. They scored away at Roma. They scored at home to Inter, Lazio and Atalanta. The only team they failed to score at, at involved in the sort of seven sisters of, of Italian football was Juventus, who've got by far and away the best defence in the division. So uh, they are very, very good on the counter-attack and I think they will fancy their chances uh, against the Milan team, who are the BTTS kings in Italy. 13 from 17 have landed for BTTS, uh, 11 from 17 for Lecce, but at home it's 7 from 8 for Lecce. 
And collectively, these two teams have kept just six clean sheets in 34 Serie A matches already this season. So um, both teams to score really did stand out for me. Um, I think it's banked in 13 of their combined 16 home and away matches already this season. Yeah, it's odds against it's 2.1. Um, I would not be surprised to see Milan drop points this weekend. Now we kicked off this show with a derby. There's an East Midlands showdown this weekend as Nottingham Forest take on Leicester. Mixed fortunes for the clubs in the League Cup this week. Forest went through to the semi-finals, but Leicester went out rather tamely against Newcastle. And Jake Forrest of the two teams seem to have the most momentum right now. They do, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a Nottingham Forest fan, as you know, but I, I'm quite happy to see that they look to have turned the ship around a little bit. Um, that was kind of my thought process this se- start of the season was that they'd have a really sh- struggle to start the season. They'd, they'd have massive issues given the number of players that they're trying to bring into the club and get familiar with each other. Um, and then I thought around the halfway point, we'd start to see what an actual what the actual team looks like in terms of what we can expect moving forward, given that they're all... Um, you know, familiar and, and ready to go and uh, gelled. Um, and it looks to be the case, um, particularly at home anyway. They're, they're a very strong home team. And they're unbeaten in the last five league home matches. They've played teams in 12th and above. So they've not really played any team that you would expect, like a gimme, almost like a, a Bournemouth or, you know, the Everton or whoever is struggling at the bottom there. Um, and, you know, their, their underlying process across that period has been really impressive. Um, it's not It's not massively positive, but it's solid um, and, you know, 1.4 expected goals for and against it, it across those five matches, which is, you know, it, it's it's good enough to to suggest that they can get some points in this game anyway, especially the play. What are you looking for, Jake? When you look at, sorry, when you look at a team that you think is going to have to battle against relegation, in those general, when you look at the kind of XG for and the XG against, what kind of differential is good? What should fill a, a team's fans with hope? What's the kind of range that you're looking at for a decent team in the relegation battle? So I'd say from a relegation perspective, um, if a team, I expect a team to be in a relegation battle, if they're putting up maybe minus 0.6 expected goals differential per game, that's when I start to be concerned. Right. Um, Obviously, the the number I've just quoted there for Forest is is just the home matches and it's just the last five matches. Um, But anything around an even level process um, would suggest that you know, they, they play tight contests and you're going to get a couple of those go your way. You're going to get a couple of go against you. Um, and that's much more beneficial than having a team that's, you know, basically losing the XG battle by 0.6 every game, in which case you're more than likely going to lose more than you're going to win. Um, so if if overall, if you're performing like a team that's, you know, creating and conceding at a similar rate, I'd expect mid to lower half um, of the Premier League table. Um, so if you look at the Premier League table right now, you know, you've got, effectively the, the the bottom three of the bottom three now it's probably Wolves that have been a little bit unfortunate to be in there they've performed a little bit better um, Everton absolutely deserve to be there and Bournemouth are a team that are massively concerned from the start of the season um, about how they were performing they're the worst team in the league based on expected goal differential conceding well losing that XG battle nearly by one expected goal every single match um, so yeah they're, they're the teams and you know this, on the flip side you've got West Ham that's out there in 17th and they're XG differentials positive, so they're on average creating more chances than their opponents. So you, I would expect to see them climb out of trouble. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of where where I'm looking at. If you've got any, if you've got a team that's that's performing around the even mark in terms of the expected goal differential, then that to me is a team that's good enough to survive. And 
Um, like I said, although it is just at home and they across those five matches, um, they're against good opponents. So that XG process to me stands out as being something that we can at the very least rely upon uh, in this match against Leicester, who are a team that are really struggling at both ends of the pitch. They're struggling to create chances. They've looked really, really poor since the break. Um, yeah, they looked back. okay going into the break, didn't they? They, they did, had a, yeah. came at a bad time for them, the World Cup. They did. Um, it, for, for whatever reason, they, they've, you know, their, their defensive process is really strange because they started the campaign, the first seven matches, they conceded 1.85 expected goals against per game, which is relegation worthy. The following eight games, it dropped to 1.23. So you, you could see a defensive improvement and they've come back post-break. And I know we've only had three Premier League matches, but it's gone back up to two point, uh, over two expected goals per game. Um, so it does seem as though the breaks come at a really bad time, that they're, they're you know, they were riding a wave. The defensive process were getting good, and since they've come back, they've gone back to the pre the start of season Leicester. And um, you know, factoring that across the entire Premier League season so far away from home, they've averaged over two expected goals against per game. I, I expect Forest to create and score a couple here, um, and you know, that coupled with the Forest home form and the way in which they're playing, particularly at the City Ground, we saw how how um, you know behind the team that the fans were in midweek in the Carabao Cup that massive high of of winning the first away match the week previous at Southampton, obviously qualifying for the Carabao semi-finals. They, they, they seem to be on the up. And um, yeah, I, I'm quite surprised that they're second favourites in this match. Um, uh, Leicester are the favourites in the market. I think that, that obviously means that at a neutral venue, they'd be strong favourites. Um, but I, I do think that Forest, the gap between Forest and Leicester isn't as big as what the market is reflecting if they met at a neutral venue. Um, so quite happy to see that, that Forest plus naught on the Asian handicap is is very backable, uh, just a shade of odds on. That's, you know, I wouldn't put anybody off backing Forest just to win the match um, at a big price. I think that's every chance of happening. After all, Leicester have lost six of nine away matches, including at Bournemouth. Um, and we know if you lose at Bournemouth, you're a pretty bad side. So, um, yeah, Forest. I'm, I'm happy to, to side with Forest. It's something that I've done a couple of weeks in a row now, uh, particularly at the city ground. Well, this football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Sevilla find themselves in a relegation battle in La Liga. And Mark, they go to Girona this weekend. I know Sevilla have obviously sold off the family silver and they kind of made a living doing that, but they seem to have made one sale too many. Yeah, um, normally Monchi is is the expert in sort of uh, forward planning, really, but um, had a bit of a, a pig's ear of a summer, really. Um, the business they did wasn't anywhere near as, as good as they're sort of accustomed to. They've had issues in, in both boxes, really, defensively after losing some key players, but Going forward, really, there's there's no one to sort of rely on or hang your hat on to, to score goals. And, you know, if there's issues in both boxes, you're going to struggle. But I don't think anyone expected them to to struggle quite so much as they have done. Uh, they did win last weekend, got their first win of the season at home uh, when they beat Getafe in a in a real slugfest, a really scrappy one. That's put them outside of the bottom three uh, for the first time in a long time. And they're hoping that will be the catalyst now to, to push up the table. Um, 
I wouldn't be too confident just yet. I still need to see a bit more from Sevilla to suggest that they have turned a corner and there still seems to be a bit of a strange atmosphere around uh, Jorge Sampioli, who's gone back there. Uh, we know he's got a, a combustible character at the best of times, so that's one to watch. Um, but yeah, this, this is a tricky game. They're going to Girona, a newly promoted team. They are the goal kings in Spain, or at least the both teams to score kings of La Liga, which has been the lowest scoring major league in Europe. But uh, Girona have been one of the most proactive, one of the most fun sides to follow in La Liga this season. Uh, they are only three points above the drop zone. Uh, but actually, if you look at the underlying metrics, they should be ranked inside the top half based on expected points. And that's a lot down to their attacking process because they've been really good fun. Only Barcelona and Real Madrid have scored more La Liga goals than Girona this season, which is testament to their approach uh, and testament to Michel and his um, style. Uh, but actually, only three sides have conceded more goals than Girona as well. So you know their matches are averaging 3.13 goals. They've scored in 14 of 16. They yet to keep a clean sheet, so you don't require a maths degree to work out that 14 from 16 is the hit rate for both teams to score. Uh, and at home, it's landed in seven of eight games as well. Um, and both teams have scored in the last 11. So that's the angle I like here because it's it's, uh, it's priced up at a 1.85, uh, which I think is a, a really attractive price considering those numbers. Severe themselves have only managed one clean sheet all season. So collectively, they've managed one clean sheet in 32 league games this season. Severe themselves have scored in 13 of 16 uh, and 12 of 16 have seen both teams scoring. Uh, BTTS in 12 of those 16 as well. So both these two teams have scored in 27 of 32 La Liga matches. They've got one clean sheet between them and both teams to score has landed in 26 of those 32 and we're getting 1.85 on a repeat. So um, we know how Girona will play. I think Seville will have to show something a bit extra from what they sh what we saw last weekend, but they are capable. So expecting some goals on Saturday afternoon. Well, now it's time for the world famous podcast treble, a betting feature so revered that Cristiano Ronaldo complained to Piers Morgan that he'd never been asked to contribute a selection, although that explosive section of the interview was sadly cut out. Uh, how this works is that uh, each of the three of us is going to come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action and our lovely traders will wrap them up in a boosted treble for you. I'm going to start and I'm going to put skinny one in, but I can't resist. Over two and a half goals in Brighton against Liverpool. I know it's only 1.6. Look, I'm the presenter. I can do what I like. Uh, I'm going to go first. So that's that's that off the board. Uh, Jake, I'll go with you. Yeah, I think you've taken both mine and Mark's there, so we're going to have to pivot quickly. <laughs> um, I'll I'll take a slightly bigger price. We'll go odds against a game we've not touched on. Um, Everton v Southampton. I'll take over two and a half goals in that one. Um, it's a big game at the bottom. Usually... They either go one way or the other, don't they? They're either dull nil-nils or you get quite an entertaining end-to-end -end game, um, given the fact that both need a win. Interestingly, over two and a half landed in Everton in four of Everton's last five home league games. They're playing more on the front foot, they're creating more chances, but also can't defend <laughs> as suspect at the back, yeah. Um, and you know, Southampton, they'll be on a massive high. I mean, they 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 was it four games before the Crystal Palace FA Cup game that they'd not beaten an F, a Premier League team, and now they've beaten two, including Man City. Um, in back-to-back -back matches, they've scored twice in both. Um, and yeah, they, 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 you know, over two and a half has, has landed in all of Nathan Jones's four league games in charge. They also still look suspect at the back, um, but we're starting to see a little bit more from them going forward. So I, I'm happy to take the over two and a half. I think that, that this is going to go the way of the latter and be a little bit more entertaining than people expect. And Mark, take us home. Um, can I take us to Scotland? Yes, you can. Cool. Um, East uh, wait, Fife. wait. Is this Scott Watch? It's connected with it, yeah. 
But is this your Scott Watch game? That's what I need to find out. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay, let me just scratch that bit out of the script. Go on then, Mark. Bring the <laughs> Scott Watch early. Um, I'm going to say both teams to score when East Fife take on Stenhouse Muir on Saturday. It'll be quite quite short, um, but uh, I think it's worth it, really. Because um, where else would you want to be on a Saturday afternoon than uh, Bayview Stadium on the eastern coast of Scotland, home to East 100%. Fife? <laughs> Everyone wants to be there this weekend because Stenhouse Muir are in town and they are the, the goal kings, not just of Scotland or the UK, of across Europe, really. Um, 19 games so far this season, 17 have paid out for overs and 17 have paid out for both teams to score. Um, they scored themselves in 18 of those 19 games and their only clean sheet this season came on the opening day of the season, which was way back on the 30th of July. So uh, 10 of those matches have gone over three and a half goals. And when they're playing away, it's a 10 from 10 hit rate for overs. They've conceded in every game. They failed to score just once and that was against second place Sterling and also came way back in August as well. So of their last 16 matches, 15 have seen BTTS and overs, which is a, a remarkable strike rate really. And they're playing an East Fife side who failed to score just four times all season, uh, they're well capable of contributing. Should be a goal-heavy game. So I'll uh, have both teams to score there. But for Scott Watch, we'll chuck in over two and a half goals and you get a much better price. Wonderful. My deep apologies to listeners that we weren't able to give Marco Hare's Scott Watch the proper intro it deserved. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of great preview content and tipping on our website, betting.betfair.com. And in terms of our podcast family nfl only better a must listen as the playoffs get underway and i say that even though the packers didn't make it and i'm still feeling very bitter from jake from mark and from me it's goodbye for now.